Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's up, Steelers Nation? Tom Opferman and Kellen Gursky from Steelers Saturday filling in for Euler and Motes today on Steelers Blitz. And Kellen, there's no better place to start in my mind than talking about the big injury news that broke earlier this week with Steph Tuitt. Maybe the best player on the Steelers defense. You can make an argument for he was making a case for team MVP this year. He goes down with a pectoral injury. He is going to be out for the season. We're going to spend a lot of this show trying to illustrate just how crushing of a blow that is for the Steelers team that found themselves kind of right back in the AFC North race with a win over the L.A. Chargers this past weekend. Yeah, it it is a a crushing blow, um, to say the very least. And, like, you know, you hit the nail on the head with with Tuit. He was probably the best and most consistent uh, defensive player this year. Uh, And I don't think there's any question. I think number two would be T.J. Watt. But other than that, I just – I don't know where else, what else you could say about it because Tuit was so good this year. And, you know, you and I talked about this before we came on, but it almost has a feeling like, like Steph, Steph Tuit is cursed. And I don't want to say that, but every time he flashes, every time he gets off to a great start, boom, an injury happens. It's so unfortunate because he has so much talent. And we've seen that in the last few years, but this year even more so. And to lose him for the year, that's a that's a big blow. And he was having maybe one of his best years mm-hmm. to this date. You know, it finally felt like he was putting it all together. And, and again, one of the reasons why you kind of had the feeling, oh, there's so much untapped potential there isn't because he wasn't performing. It's not like, say, a Bud Dupree where he's out there every game and he just seems to be underperforming. Right. It, it was that injury thing where every time Toot was on the field, you know, every year it seemed like he was getting better and better. And then mm-hmm. this year – he had three and a half sacks already to this point, and he had one, two, six tackles for losses. I mean, this guy was a monster. He's hitting the quarterback in almost every single game, and the injury bug happens again. Yeah. And that's the main thing that's holding him back from becoming the all-pro that, you know, the Steelers saw when they drafted him in the second round. They, they thought they got a steal. Yeah, right. And it's funny, you know, my stepdad, he, he's been a huge uh, Tuit fan even before, like, he showed these flashes. Like, even a couple years ago when he was a rookie, he's like, man, that Tuit guy's really good. And I really didn't think much about it. He wasn't playing that much. But then, you know, the years go on and games go on. You're like, whoa, that guy's pretty good. And, right. And he's, he, like we like we keep saying, he's had flashes of, of that dominance and that, that just pure – dog mentality like that no one can block him and now you know without him some other guys got to step up and it you know we hope it doesn't happen but you know you wonder how that trickle down is going to be and you know hopefully the Steelers have a good plan I think I, I think personally they they have a little bit of depth of every place on that defense I think the most depth they have it's not a ton but the most depth they have is probably on that defensive line so you never obviously want an injury to happen, but I think it happened into a position where at least you have some guys that can play to back up the starter. And we'll get into that kind of contingency plan to mm-hmm. how you replace, you can't replace them, but how no. you try your best right. to at least duplicate what Tua was bringing you on that defensive line. But 
Uh, again, he only played 16 games his rookie season, but he only started four of those right. games. So he was really just a, a role player coming off the bench. And since then, he has missed at least two games every year. His career high, he missed four games back in 2017. So, uh, again, you say he's got the injury bug. At least he's playing double-digit games. Right. But you have to wonder if those injuries that he suffers, you know, it hinders his performance as the seasons wear on because, you know, he's battling through those injuries each and every year. And, of course, this year he only played six games, and that will be his career low for games played in the season. I still have hope for him. It's not time to pull the plug on a guy like Steph to it and just say he can't no. He can't make it because he gets too injured. You rehab, you come back next year, he's your starting defensive end again, opposite of Cam Hayward, and I'm sure he will put up numbers like he had been this year when he comes oh, sure. back next year. Because, again, like we said, he keeps improving year after year. It's just then the next year becomes the year where you really hold your breath, and if he unfortunately goes down again, then you have to then, start yeah. asking those very difficult questions. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, how's that saying go? When there's a setback, there's always a comeback coming. And, and I, right. think, I think that is going you know, to be the mindset for Steph to it. And, and, you know, like we keep saying, he's got that drive, and, and I think next year he'll come back maybe better than ever. And, and that's the hope, obviously. But well, it seems you, like he keeps doing that right, after every right. year. Right, but it's just a matter of staying completely healthy for a year and putting a whole 16 games, hopefully more, obviously, the Steelers make the playoffs. But you're hoping that he puts an entire season together, and if he does get injured, it's not a it's not a season ender. It's a one- to two-week thing, and he just bounces back and takes a little time to get healthy. But he was, without a shadow of a doubt, the best defensive player on, on this team this year, at least so far. And as, as you and I talked about when we filled in on, uh, on Monday, we talked about that he was on an all-pro pace. Not just a Pro Bowl pace, he was on an all-pro pace. You're losing the best player at your best position group on the team. Yes. Steelers, once again, to this point, lead the league in sacks mm -hmm. with 52 sacks. They're tied with the Kansas City Chiefs in that category. So that is the unit that for the past three years, he's a part of that unit that has just been dominating and has been the really bright spot of the Steelers team, especially on the defense, whereas, you know, the past couple of years the defense hasn't been as great as, as it is this year. And you lose a guy who contributed not just the three and a half sacks to those 52 sacks totals, it's the attention that he drew on yeah. the defensive line. He he was getting double teams. He was He was taking bodies away from guys like Watt, guys like Cam Hayward on the other side, so that they could be opened up and make mm -hmm. plays. Javon Hargrave has had a great year. You yep. wonder, is that going to affect him? And right. there's a lot more attention that can be paid to Javon now. So it, there's going to be, I think, a little bit of a trickle-down effect here when Tua goes out. It's not just going to be, you know, Alu Alu replaces him and you're going to have a diminished product right. there because he's a worse player than Stefan Tuitt. But I think now you can pay more attention to TJ Watt if you're on offensive line yeah. of an opposing team. Now you can go and, you know, kind of spread out your protection a little bit more because – there's not some monster a defensive middle, end that's right, taking up two right, bodies. Yeah. So I think it's going to make it easier for teams to game plan for the Steelers and maybe open up their offense a little bit more because you don't need as much protection to stop this monstrous f pressure that the right. Steelers get. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and as you said, you know, you wonder if offenses are going to move, you know, more cut, more uh, pass protection to the left side or to the right side, wherever TJ Watt is. We've seen him move around a little bit more in the last – a uh, couple games than, than we usually have. But regardless, you have to assume that that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to take away the best player now that 
the best player isn't there. And that best player is obviously TJ Watt. And then there's a trickle down effect after that, because as we keep saying, without to it, you know, you lose your best defensive player. Who's the second best defensive player now behind TJ Watt on that line. Now we have to a lot more attention to him rather just besides TJ. So yeah, I think there is going to be a trickle down effect, but I do. I think there's a lot worse positions that you could be in at this point. I think Tyson Alualu is a, is a good backup. I, you know, he's not the player that Steph Tuitt is, obviously. We know that. But uh, I, I don't think they're in a bad spot with him playing more snaps and more a, a bigger role. I don't think they're in a bad spot. It could be a hell of a lot worse, to, to put it pretty blunt. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think it could be a hell of a lot worse. And now – comes the task for Mike Tomlin, Keith Butler, and this defensive coaching staff. How do you replace a guy like Steph Tuitt? And I think the the easy answer is you don't. Right. You, you can't replace right, a right. guy like that. But you have to try your best. And the next man up is Tyson Alualu, yep. first-round pedigree kind of yeah. guy. He's been a good player off the bench for the Steelers in his past couple years with the team. He came in against the Chargers and played extremely well, I would mm -hmm. say. He, yeah. he was very effective when Tuit went out of that game. But now it's different because you get a little bit of that adrenaline mm -hmm. when you come in because an injury happened to a guy and you step up for him in a game. You have that, you have that extra juice to you. Now right. you've spent a whole week, you're planning as a starter, you're taking reps with the first team, you're in there as much as Tuit usually is, and – there's going to be a little bit of a different mindset for Alu Alu, I'd have to imagine. And then on the other side of things, when teams are preparing for him, you know, they got a full week to prepare for this guy instead of to it now. And you can really key in on some of his weaknesses as an opposing coach and, and exploit them, honestly. Right, right. And, and as you said, he he was a first-round draft pick by Jacksonville way back in 2010, believe that or not. That was nine years ago. So he's played nine NFL seasons since then. But... Um, he has first-round pedigree, and as you mentioned, he played great in that game in Step 2, its absence. But that's not something I think we can expect to see the rest of the way. I don't think he's going to play that well in Step 2, its absence. If he does, well, then that's great, and that's a huge boost to that defense. But you have to be realistic here. You know, this is a backup. Even though exactly. He's, even though he's, an, he's a decent player and he's, he's had flashes when he's been on the field – we, we have to be real here. You know, you can't expect him to be the same players to it. And I think I think uh, I think the Steelers coaching staff will, will kind of do some different things in order to you can't replace Steph to it. But you, you got to try to find a combination of guys that maybe the individual won't compare to to it but the collective pair the, the 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 host of guys they have to fill that position could equal a step to it and I think that's the biggest thing they have to do right now it's like in Moneyball in yeah, the movie yeah. Moneyball when they're trying to place Jason Giambi and you say you can't replace Jason Giambi with one player because right. there is no one player that's equal to him but you can replace him with three different players right and I agree with you. I think that's what the Steelers definitely are going to try to do. And Mike Tomlin even said so yeah. so much. He said that, look, it's not just going to be – there's going to be a multitude of guys that are going to contribute to helping us replace Steph yeah. to it. And he even said it's not just going to be guys specifically or exclusively in the defensive line mood, right. room. And that kind of makes you think maybe Anthony Ciccolo, you know, goes from outside linebacker to maybe putting his hand in the dirt and lining mm -hmm. up on the defensive line. He, of course, played a little defensive end at the U when he was in college. Now, the size is is just – it's night and yeah, day. Yeah, it's and completely different. He's obviously played linebacker in the NFL now mm -hmm. for 
several years, so he's slimmed down and become more, you know, fa- yeah, he's become sure. faster. He's not a defensive lineman anymore. But, you know, 2019 NFL, you don't exactly have to be a monster to be on the defensive line anymore. And if you are feeling like Aluwalu isn't getting the job done, you want to try to throw something else at them, why not rotate Chicolo in there? Even if Aluwalu is getting their job done, why not? You know, just to switch a, switch up a pace to, to get keep, keep um, Aluwalu fresh. But, you know, I will say this about Chicolo. It doesn't exactly sound on paper, maybe to a lot of people, that that's a good idea because I don't know if I think it is a good idea. But I will say this: I he's he's not a bad pass rusher. Right. I think I think he's a decent enough pass Probably rusher. The thing he does best. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, granted, he's doing it with a five-yard head start <laughs> a line, from a linebacker's perspective. But I, I think if if you know he has the speed advantage against linemen just obviously absolutely obviously it's so the size that it's the size you. thing right so if he finds if he figures out a way and he you know gets back into the, you know playing defensive line and he you know can be a, a player that just i don't know has 10 15 snaps at that position a game that could really help that team and, and it could give them a spark with you know maybe the offensive line's tired and he's a little bit more fresh and obviously he has that speed advantage maybe he beats a tackle gets around and gets a sack. I would much rather see him do that consistently. I would much rather see him do that rather than trying to cover a running back right. or a receiver. I would much rather see him do that, play to his strengths a little bit, and maybe maybe this turn out to be a great move. I don't know. I would just – I'd like to see it. I just want to see what he could do. Callum, we've talked about it on this station a lot these past couple of weeks. The Steelers' defense, it's great. The 11 starters are – outstanding but Mm -hmm. once you get to the bench the depth it really isn't there for this Mm -hmm. defense they don't really have the ability to to pull off some of these rotations on the pass rush like other teams in the nfl do and i'm concerned and the reason why i said that i don't know if playing chicolo a lot on the defensive line is a good idea is because you're going to spread yourself out even thinner Thinner, if you add chicolo to that rotation because he's already the first guy off the bench for bud dupree or tj watt Mm -hmm. so if you're going to throw him into the defensive line rotation that's going to take up some time that T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree might need to blow. It's just going to muck a lot of things up. And, you know, maybe this means Javon Hargrave gets a little bit more playing time. Maybe you bump him to the outside a little bit more. Maybe that means – and you put Big Dan McCullers in, Mm -hmm. which I really don't like that much. And and you're going to have to dress Isaiah Bugs to add to that depth up front. But, uh, again, I just think if you you put Chicolo on that defensive line a, a considerate amount, it's going to spread yourself out right. of the defense and that depth just isn't there. And again, this is, we're, we're kind of just talking in circles here because I want to be clear. This is a loss that is, is humongous Huge. for the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers and people that are writing it off just don't understand just how impactful Steph to it is to right. his team. And I think that's partly because he has the, the he's injured a mm-hmm. lot. You know, he has that kind of moniker about him around this town, but he is a, a star in the making and, to lose that, it, it's always a, a crushing blow to a team. Definitely, and, and I like the point that you brought up there that you might wear yourself a little bit too thin, and, and I agree with that. I really didn't think about that that much, to be honest with you, but I think this is something that Tomlin and company are going to have to figure out. Okay, how if this is something we're going to do, how can we use Chicolo the best? Are, they're, they're still going to try to win games with sure, the defense, I sure. think. Sure, right? yeah, right. I mean, you're losing one guy. It's not like you've lost all 11. You know, you still have a good defense even without Steph to it, at least I think. We haven't seen it yet uh, <laughs> this year, but I would assume that just losing one guy wouldn't kill that defense. But this is a rotation in a, a, a spot where – Tomlin and company, they have to 
figure out the best game plan. They have to go in and say, all right, if we have Chicolo playing defensive end, here's what we have to have happen on the linebacking crew or vice versa, whatever it might be. Like I said, they have to figure out that the 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 group that they use to to replace to it, you know, that has to equal step to its production. Obviously, one guy isn't going to do it, but they got to find the right rotation and the right grouping to allow you know that defense to look the same, even though even though to it isn't out there. To it out on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of things, Mason Rudolph is back and he cleared concussion protocol officially yesterday as the independent. I don't know what neurologist, neurologist came yeah. in, yeah, and uh, cleared Mason Rudolph. So we'll get into the quarterback situation when we get back. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR with Tom Opferman and Kellen Gursky filling in for you learn Motes. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tom Opperman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler and Motes today on Steelers Blitz. You can get after us on Twitter at ButtonPusher970 for me at K underscore Gursky 34. Is that right? Yes, sir. That's how you can get in. In touch with Kellen on the Twitter.com. And Kellen, an independent neurologist, came in to the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex before the Steelers broke for their bye this week and officially mm-hmm. cleared Mason Rudolph to from the concussion mm-hmm. protocol. And Mike Tomlin didn't mince any words after that. He, he spelled out that Mason Rudolph is going to be the starter for this team. Uh, you can argue it kind of disparaged Duck Dynasty Hodges a, a little, little bit. bit. With, he really dismissed the question yeah. quickly about the quarterback quote unquote controversy. Right. But uh, I think that he's right. You know, Mason yeah. Rudolph is the guy that not only should be the starter moving forward for the rest of the year with Big Ben being out, but this is a guy that you think is going to be your heir apparent perhaps sure. to Ben Roethlisberger when he does hang it up and retire. So you have to. You know, kind of use this opportunity. A lot of teams don't get this chance. No. Where a Hall of Fame quarterback, franchise quarterback gets hurt for a year but still wants to come back afterwards and play for your franchise for the rest of his mm-hmm. contract goes down for an entire season and you have an opportunity to kind of a trial run with who you think might be the heir apparent and Mason Rudolph. So very good to see that there is no controversy as far as the Steelers are concerned at the quarterback position because there really shouldn't be. No, there shouldn't be. And I'm glad that Tomlin kind of put that to bed. Uh, and, you know, you and I talked about it on Monday. That Do you, you know, think that, that before, real quick before go we go, do you think putting that to bed, do you think that the controversy was kind of drummed up more on social media yes. and fans than actual reporters of the team yeah. and the team itself, right? Yeah, because I don't think anybody in the media really viewed Duck Hodges as a a starter from here on out, especially if Mason's healthy. Now, if he's not healthy, that's a completely different story. Obviously, you're going to have to play the third-string guy if if the, you know, the guy in front of him isn't ready to play. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people – here in, in, in Pittsburgh and on social media and fans and whatnot, really hyped that performance up more than it was. I was happy for Duck Hodges. Don't get me wrong. He did everything that he was supposed to do as a third-string quarterback. He managed the game. He didn't kill them, as Tomlin said. Kind of, you know, he laughed about it, but he didn't. He didn't kill them. He didn't put them in a spot, a bad spot by any stretch of the imagination. And he did what he needed to do to win. And there's a, a, a stupid idea floating around 
you know, the Twitter world and uh, that for some reason this defense plays harder for, for Doug Hodges. Get out of here with that crap. You know why that, that take is floating around there? It's because the defense absolutely went out and won that game right. for them against the Chargers. Hodges did nothing to help them win that game. He did throw a touchdown. Come on. I'm, it I'm, was, just, hey, you, I'm just saying. When you list the, the top contributors to that victory against right, it's LA, the defense. it's the defense, Absolutely. number one, and then it's the play of your running backs, number two, sure. between Benny Snell and James Conner. Right. And this is nothing against Duck Hodges. I, I agree with you. He went out there, and he got a win, and he managed the game. But, Kellen, he completed 15 passes for only 132 right. yards. That's almost impossible. Right. 132 yards on 15 completions. And again, I'm kind of taking this tone where I'm like bashing Hodges. Right. But that's kind of the position that I feel like I'm forced into right. by all of the idiots out there saying that there's a quarterback controversy. There's not. Because he is fine mm -hmm. for the backup for the rest of the year yep. for a spot starter when Mason Rudolph if gets hurt. Him, right. But on a week-to-week -week basis, if he's your starter, oh my word, the NFL is going to eat him alive. Sure. And you're talking about a Chargers team that's struggling. Yeah. Steelers, I know they have an easy schedule for the rest of the year, but they've got some teams on there that are going to dominate. Imagine... Imagine Duck Hodges lining up against the L.A. Rams and Aaron Donald and no, that thanks. that front. I mean, no. he is going to be confused beyond his 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 mind. He's yeah. not going to know what to do, and that's not on him. No, it's just that's who he is. He's a, right. he's an undrafted free agent rookie quarterback from Sanford, right. and it's nothing against him. But you have to look at this logically that Mason Rudolph is head and shoulders above the quarterback that Devlin Hodges is. Right. I I, I completely agree with you. I'm just saying that. You know, I'm not by any means saying that he deserves more credit than he gets, but he did throw it. Like I just said, he did what he was supposed to do. Let's just move on. I from promise that. I wasn't yelling at you. No, I know. I know. I you know weren't. you're scared a little bit. It's That's okay. Right. <laughs> but there's a tear in your eye. <laughs> but I, I will say this as well. I, I think the reason that this whole quarterback controversy and this oh the defense plays harder when when ducks out there, I think that all stems from the idea that Steeler fans in general really and maybe some of the media really don't know what it's like w with life without Ben Roethlisberger, with That's life without a Hall of Famer. It's because, been a long time. Right, and because you and I talked about this when uh, last Saturday before the, the game on Monday that or on Sunday night that we knew that this defense was going to have to play well in order to be in this game and in order to have a chance to win it. We were saying they had to win the game they for had, the team. Right. They had to play a great football game defensively in order to give Hodges the best opportunity to win. And guess what? They did that. That doesn't mean that they're playing harder for Duck than they would for Mason. Right. Just just for example, look look at the game against Seattle when when Mason came in. The energy that was that was with that team when Mason threw that first touchdown. You're going to tell me that, that these guys don't play hard enough for Mason Rudolph? They play harder for Duck? Get out of here. That, that's, that's not even close to being true. There, there's a situation where the defense realizes either A, we're going to have Mason Rudolph as our quarterback, or B, we're going to have Duck Dynasty Hodges as our quarterback. We got to play hard regardless. We got to play our best brand of football defensively in order to give these guys a shot because they're not Ben. And that's something that I think a lot of people still haven't realized that these guys aren't Ben Roethlisberger. That that's just that's just the 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 the, the thing at hand here. He's, he's neither of them are Ben. But I agree. This is a good chance for Rudolph and the Steelers to figure out what Mason Rudolph is. If 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 he goes out and plays great, okay, he's the heir apparent. We know what we have. If if he's not. Well, at least we know.
This is the NFL. Right. People don't just play hard for one guy no. and then kind of take a couple games off because, oh, you're also implying that if Ben was in there that the team wouldn't be playing as hard as they are. Right. When that, you say right. that they play harder for Devlin Hodges. Yeah. It's just totally it's an silly. asinine thing to say. And, again, something that might feed into that take is this defense is improving every week because, yes. you know, you get the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick in week three, and now you finally have it round into – to shape what you want this defense to be so every week you're growing and getting better and better so it's going to look more dominant as we move on right. throughout the season now of course as we talked about all last segment Steph two being out kind of changes things sure. a little bit but at that point in time for that Chargers game you're seeing you're, you're seeing what you think is quote-unquote harder play from the mm -hmm. defense just because the defense is getting better right that offensive line for the Chargers was dog crap and yes. they just dominated them from the start in that game and Maybe that's what tricks people's minds into thinking, oh, wow, they're really getting after it for this Hodges guy. They're rallying around their mm -hmm. guy. When, in fact, it's just you're witnessing a defense take steps to become better every single week right. and just a, a dominating defense. And, and it, that's absolutely what it is. It's a top 10 defense since Minka's been here in the sure. NFL. Sure, and I think that says even more about Mason Rudolph that they went out and made that Minka move. You know? Right. I, I think that's a big uh, tell by Tomlin and, and management and the Steelers in general as an organization. They really believe in this Rudolph kid, obviously. They right. Would, they wouldn't have went out and got Minka Fitzpatrick. They wouldn't have got rid of their first-round pick if they didn't believe in this kid. So and when he's cleared. So when he's cleared, he's going <laughs> right. to play. Right. And that's nothing against Duck Hodges, but – the, just the idea, I wanted to get that idea out of the way as soon as right. we could about this defense playing harder. Like you said, they're getting better. They're better week to week to week to week. I don't care if Bubby Brister played quarterback. <laughs> I don't even know who Bubby Brister is, but I kept hearing that name being brought up <laughs> this week with, with Hodges play. I don't even know who that is. I don't care if he was playing He played quarterback, quarterback here once in a while. I know that, but I'm just— Once upon I, a time. Yeah, I knew that, but anyway— <laughs> He could have been playing quarterback, and the Steelers' defense would have gotten better and better each week. He, they would have had a defensive performance like that with him playing. It doesn't matter. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. I wanted to just get that out of the way because that's just stupid. Man. Right, and again, those people paint you in this corner where you have to feel like you're bashing Doc right. Hodges, and I don't want to. I, want I to like him. I want to come on here and say, hey, the guy got the job done. He got a win. The right. Steelers leave L.A. with a win. They're 2-4, and four and they're right back in the race. Now he hands the keys back over to Mason Rudolph, but instead these people, they just make yep. it seem like – it should be a lot harder than it is. And Mason Rudolph was good before he got hurt. I mean, it wasn't even just like, oh, he's average, whatever, like nothing that really you really see that jumps off the page. He was good. 646 mm -hmm. yards, seven TDs. Two picks. Only two picks. And one of those picks was a perfect pass to Dante Moncrief yeah, that true. just popped right up in the air and the Seahawks picked it off. But his quarterback, uh, his passer rating is 102.5. It's pretty good. It's in the hundreds. And again, it's a small, it's a small sample size. Yeah. But it's an even smaller sample size for Devlin Hodges, right. and it looked a lot worse. Yeah, he was 15 for 20, but that's not going to continue. No. And he was 15 for 20, by the way, because he only had to pass the ball about five yards down the field every time. Right. And again, Mason Rudolph was a little conservative when he first started, but I think you started to see that offense open up a little bit. Yeah. And, I mean, the the play that Mason Rudolph got hurt was a pass 15, 20 yards down the and field. that was his best play as a pro oh, yeah. so far. Pocket it, collapsing, was, improvising, throwing on the run. It looked like a young Ben Roethlisberger. It looked and like I, something I, Devin Hodges couldn't do. 
Yeah, I would agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, I don't think he had he would have the strength to get through that uh, to get through the defensive pr- and the fire off an pressure. accurate pass. Right, right. He right, can right. get away. He might but, have been able to get away, but but the accurate pass on the run across your body is that's something that pedigree gets you. Right, absolutely. I'm I'm in complete agreement. You know, you said you already mentioned the seven touchdowns of the two picks, and he hadn't thrown a pick since week three against San Francisco. So that gives you an indication that not only is his defense playing better, he's starting to play better. And, yeah, you know, obviously they, they had to do what they had to do against L.A., but now with, with, with Miami coming to town next Monday night, you know, you get, you get his feet back underneath him. You know, and, and this couldn't come against a better team for him to come back and play against either because Miami, we all know, maybe one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life in yeah. the NFL, uh, to be completely honest. But this is a good situation for him to come back. For him to meet, I don't want to say ease your way in, but you're gonna you're gonna start the game, and it's against a, a team that isn't very good. So you know what, Mason, go out there and throw a little bit. Get yourself ready. Get yourself back into it. Thank you, Duck. We appreciate what you did. Be waiting just in case. You're gonna be the backup all year. Absolutely. Yeah. But this is Mason's team, and and this is a great situation for him to be in right now. Definitely let it. Definitely let that off. God bless you. Thank you. Definitely let that offense open up a little bit against the yeah. Miami Dolphins. And I think again, I, I want to harp back to it. We were seeing that offense open up a little bit mm-hmm. more against the Baltimore Ravens before Mason Rudolph got hurt. One thing that Mason, some people say it's a negative. I think it's a positive. I believe you probably think it's a positive as well. One thing that he does differently from Duck Hodges is, is he's more conservative with his his passing. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna. Now they didn't let Duck throw the ball down the field at right. all well, against the Chargers because yeah. that was the game plan. Right. But Duck kind of had that gunslinger about him, mm-hmm. where he was gonna throw into double coverage because he thinks he can fit it in a window. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Mason Rudolph's that kind of guy. Again, the sample size is maybe too small to know that. But he strikes me as more of a conservative style of of quarterback. And as far as the coaching staffs is concerned, they got a hell of a defense. Yeah, they want a quarterback that's going to be. If you're not going to be the Hall of Famer like Ben Roethlisberger, give me conservative. Give me a guy who's going to throw the ball away, who's going to take a sack maybe and punt the ball away instead of, you know, force the issue and have a huge interception happen on your side of the field that right. sets your defense up for a short field. So I think that that goes into the decision making too with this coaching staff. If there was ever going to be a quarterback controversy. It, you need a guy that's going to protect the football. And, right. you know, Devlin Hodges only threw one interception, but that's one interception in one game. Yeah. Mason Rudolph's played in three games, almost four games, because he came comes in for Ben against the Seahawks, mm-hmm. and he only has two interceptions, one of which, again, like we said, was not his fault at all. Right. So you just see that Mason Rudolph isn't going to take as many risks as Hodges probably would moving forward. And that's something that, again, I think the coaching staff is looking at as a huge positive. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you're a backup anyway. You know, you don't want to be taking shots and, and, you know, forcing the ball downfield if you feel like that might not be your strong suit. And we've talked about this before on our on our Saturday show that maybe Mason doesn't know what NFL Open is. And maybe now he's starting to come into his own, realize, okay, I know what NFL Open is. I can fit this into a, t- a little smaller window than I'm used to throwing to, but he's still open. I think he was starting to learn that. And I mentioned this on Monday. I don't think Devlin Hodges cares what, what college and NFL Open is. I don't think he cares. He's just going to go out and sling it. And that's that could be a, a good thing, but most of the time, in crunch time, it's going to end up being a bad thing. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think the Steelers coaching staff just realized, look, Mason gives us the best opportunity to win, hands down. He's more conservative with the ball. He's smarter with the ball. And not only that, he's getting better, and he's coming into his own before he got hurt. So why not give him the keys back?
Speaking of NFL Open, the Steelers wide receiving core is having some trouble getting open this year. Or are they? We'll discuss what might be hindering that wide receiver core, and it might not only be on the receivers when we come back. You're listening to Steelers Blitz right here on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tom Opperman and Kellen Gursky, the Steelers Saturday crew, filling in for Euler and Motes today here on the Steelers Blitz. And Kellen, in the break there, I was taking a look at the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers uh, statistics for the mm-hmm. year. And the team leader in receptions for your Pittsburgh Steelers is a running back. James Conner leads the team in receptions. He has 26 catches on the year. That's one more than number one wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. That's a problem, I think, when you look at that. When you want want to have running backs that are active in the passing game and catching balls out of the backfield, but I don't think you want them to be your leading reception getter on your team. I think that's always a... a, At this point in the season, that's a little bit of a a red flag. No, I, I agree with you. I think it is a red flag. I don't necessarily... It's weird, though. I don't think it's an awful thing. I don't think it's something that, that cripples the offense by any means or, or anything like that. It kind of played devil's advocate from what I said when I, we just came back from break there is it kind of has been the only thing going for the Steelers yeah. in that passing game is that, you know, they're running when they get their wins, their two wins against Cincinnati and the Chargers, the running backs have been active in that sure. passing game. Right. I think that's those two games are just examples of taking what the defense gives you. Right. And I think they've given that up especially in those two games. I mean, it's Connor, probably not sustainable. Right. Though. Connor had, what, nine catches against L.A. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen every week. I mean, if you take away – if you cut those receptions in half, he's still a few paces behind where Juju would be, who only had one catch, mind you, against L.A. for, what, seven yards or whatever it was. I don't necessarily think it, that it's a bad thing. It's a red flag. It's something to be a little bit concerned about. But, you know, this team is two and four – and they haven't hit their stride in that receiving core yet either. And they're right back in the thick of things, but the receivers, especially the last few weeks, really haven't hit their stride. They haven't been as good as they can be. And now Juju played well against Baltimore two weeks ago. Um, but until last, he didn't. Until he didn't, but right. And then last week he only had one catch for seven yards. That's because of the quarterback situation. But – uh, I, I think Connor has really, I mean, obviously, he has really improved his receiving uh, ability. And he's been, I mean, you can see it on paper, he's been their best receiver thus far this year. Um, but, again, I, I think that's more just the defense giving that to the Steelers. And the Steelers are like, all right, we're going we're gonna to take 4-5. We'll dump it to the running back every time. And it's worked thus far, but I, that's got to change re- pretty soon, I think. In their two wins this year, James Connor has been their leading receiver, both in receptions mm-hmm. and yards. So, Again, I don't think that's very sustainable. I think you need to have a wide receiver kind of leading your yeah. team in those categories. But you're absolutely right. It's what the defense has given them, and they've taken advantage of it. Yeah. And you have to tip your hat to James Conner because he's been extremely effective. And I want him to continue to catch eight, nine passes out of the sure. backfield. You just right. need to have Juju catch 12, 13 passes a game. Because or be equal to him. Be equal to James Conner, right. exactly. Because, you know, Juju was the number one wide receiver going into this season. Still and is. He still is right now, but it's just he's not performing like a number one wide receiver or putting up number one wide receiver numbers. Now, maybe, you know, we've been spoiled for the past several seasons with Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh because not only was he a number one wide receiver on the team, he was maybe the number one wide receiver in the entire league. 
so you got a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing him the ball, you get a little spoiled. And that's kind of where I want to go with this is I don't know if Juju's lack of production as a number one is solely on Juju because I've heard smart people, smarter than you and me, Adam Crowley, Matt Williamson, they watch these all 22s. They, you know, they're nerds. They're football nerds. Yep. Juju's getting open. Yeah. He is getting open. It's not anything that he's really doing. But you got a second-string quarterback because your Hall of Famer went down at the beginning of the year. You trade your third-string quarterback away to Jacksonville, which then when your second-string quarterback, Mason Rudolph, goes down, forces you to sign your practice squad player, who is your fourth-string quarterback, to come up and play on the road against the L.A. Chargers. That is something that any wide receiver in this league is – they're going to struggle when when hard times happen at the quarterback position. Testament to him for how bought in he still is and how much you can tell he's he's enjoying winning football games. But it's got to be tough for him right now because – Again, the offense isn't designed for Juju to run 10 yards down the field and get open. The ball needs to be out of Devlin Hodge's hands faster than it would take him to right. run 10 yards. So tough for Juju. And again, I just don't want it to put I don't want to put it all on him for his lack of production. No, and I don't think it is all on Juju either. You know, and I've seen, you know, some some things on Twitter, whatever videos, whatever. And he has been getting open. It's a matter of the quarterback trusting whoever it is, whether it's Mason or Devlin. Obviously, last week, Devlin Hodges wasn't going to throw the ball deep. We know that. So last week was more of a game plan thing. But I think it, it, with Rudolph, now that he's coming back, I think I, I think he just needs to trust his arm a little bit more and trust the fact that Juju's going to go out and make a play. He's your number one wide receiver, and he's – Nine times out of ten, you know, he's going to end up making a play. And and I don't think this is all on Juju. He still has 340 yards receiving this year on 25 catches. He's averaging 13.6 a catch. He does have two touchdowns. So it's not like he hasn't done anything this year. He, he He's had some games where he's looked like a number one wide receiver. And, you know, there's questions going around Steeler Nation and around the media right now. Is he a number one wide receiver? I don't know if we can make that claim yet I don't know if we know yet because well quite frankly the Steelers don't really have a number two wide receiver either it's kind of hard when you have to be the number one and the number two you know for the Steelers right now Deontay Johnson who has been a a good surprise don't get me wrong he's played pretty well much more than I thought he would play to this point and much better than I thought he would play to this point this year he has 20 catches for 100 or 212 yards and two touchdowns you're thinking well that's pretty good it is good but that's the number three-ish wide receiver that's not exactly somebody that you know if if the Steelers had a number another number one if AB was still here these numbers would look normal and I'm sure that the outcomes of the games would be different obviously AB isn't here but I'm just saying in a hypothetical if there was one more wide receiver in the middle of Juju and and Johnson eh, this is probably a completely different conversation that we're talking about there's three Steelers on the roster that have 20 receptions on the year James Conner we mentioned is the team leader with 26 Juju has 25 and Deontay Johnson has 20 then there's a drop off to Vance McDonald who has 14 and Jalen Samuels has 13 yeah and then no one else has double digits and you'll notice I mentioned the drop off goes to Vance McDonald and Jalen Samuels a then tight end and a running back yeah. then there's so a big drop off exactly the next closest is nine receptions for James Washington who is now hurt, and mm-hmm. maybe he'll be back after the bye week, but we're not sure when we'll see James Washington again this year. And he really has been underperforming this year. I mean, he does average 15.6 yards per reception, but again, he only's uh, getting nine receptions, so he's right. clearly not getting open enough. 
when you see that, it speaks to the depth of this receiving yeah. core and how there isn't really no. any depth at all and how important it is, I think, now moving forward for a guy like Moncrief to get off the schneid, yes. get back in the rotation of things because you can't just keep relying on Johnson and Juju and then uh, a mix of tight ends, Connor back, and Samuel. Right. Got to get that third guy in the mix. And I believe moving forward, get a little bit of confidence last week with the catch against the Chargers. Starting back-to-back weeks, I think he's gotten a hat now. Get the bye week. Come back against Miami, yep. a much easier opponent. Get yep. your confidence up even more. I think you'll see as the season moves on, Moncrief works himself back into that 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 unit with Johnson and Juju, and those are going to be your three moving forward. I think it has to be at least. Uh, yeah, especially because we don't know the severity of Washington's injury. We don't exactly know when he's going to be back. And Washington uh, might be done with Washington. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's averaging 15.6 yards a catch, which shows you he's got he's some deep, deep ball, ball ability. I mean, but they haven't used him as that. It's been Johnny Holton. It's been very weird. Um, Who, by the way, Johnny Holton, we see him and hear his name almost every game. He has not caught one single right. pass for the exactly. Steelers. So he why does not even show up on the stat sheet. And Xavier Grimble is on the stat sheet for receptions. Right. So I don't know why Johnny Holton right. keeps so getting playing time. Why, right. why does he keep going out That's there? That's got to be Moncrief. Let Washington do it. Let right. Washington, if, but definitely put in Moncrief. Right. If, if, if Washington's hurt. And Moncrief's Mon- not going to go deep. It. No, but let him be a number three. Let, let him, him get on, on the field. field. Send Deontay deep. Yeah, or send sure. Juju deep if sure. you want to. Sure, right, 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 absolutely. And you don't need to send anybody deep, to be no, honest. No, no. But you don't have the quarterback to do that anymore. No, you really don't. You don't have Ben anymore, and Rudolph obviously doesn't have the same arm that Ben does. But regardless, I, I think this is a, a good situation for, for Moncrief to kind of slide back in. Yeah, he might not be in the best of, of favor with a lot of Steeler fans, but – and this is the only option you have at this point. Right. Uh, you, what, what are you going to do? You're going to put Ryan Switzer as the number three wide receiver? Can't, no, can't he's got it. eight catches for 27 yards. That's 3.4 yards a catch. I could do that. I'm very confident saying I could catch the ball, catch fall, ball down fall down for over. three yards. I'm very confident in that. But if he comes in and he, 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 he becomes that number three and he takes a little bit of the pressure off of Juju, and I mean, that's only going to help. Deontay Johnson, too, and I want to say this, thank goodness for Deontay Johnson, because where on earth would this offense, and more importantly, that receiving core be without him? Uh, I mean, they would be in shambles if, if he didn't step up and play better than I thought he would. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that Moncrief would Moncrief and, and Washington would play much better than they have, but thank goodness for him stepping up, because they would be in a world of hurt without him. Oh, yeah. This is a guy that you mentioned, Moncrief from Washington. So Deontay Johnson's coming into camp thinking, I've got a shot at maybe the fifth guy yeah. on the field. But I'm still even battling with Ryan Switzer there. Right. And even maybe a Johnny Holton there to and get then playing Eli time. Rogers was there at that point. Exactly. So Deontay Johnson's probably thinking, okay, I'm coming in, maybe a redshirt year for me. Yeah. Play some special teams, get some punt returns. Maybe get into some game action, you know, mm-hmm. if there's Five wide a sets, lot of whatever yeah, it might exactly. Be. But I don't think he expected to no. ever be thrown into a number two wide receiver role. And the numbers spell out that he is the number two wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's done a good job. He's fumbled, he's had some drops, all things that come with, with the territory yeah. of being a rookie, especially one thrust into that role. And again, you know. Maybe it's a situation where Steelers fans are a little spoiled because of how Juju did when he was a rookie. Yeah. He comes in and he all of a sudden is an effective player, and you say, wow, that guy is our number two wide receiver, mm-hmm. not where it's Johnson, and it's like, 
he could be our number two wide receiver, but he's still not there yet, but mm -hmm. he's just being forced to play it. You right. knew Juju was number two. Yeah. But it's unfair because you had Antonio Brown on the other side. Taking away so much coverage. From you had him. Ben Roethlisberger under center. Right. Hall of Fame quarterback. So Deontay Johnson has really been not any different than what Devin Bush has gone through on the defense no. side of the ball. He's been thrown into a starter's role, and, you know, I'd, I'd give he's him like a B-minus. Yeah. Because – that's a tough thing to do, and he's Absolutely. he's helped the Steelers win a couple football games yeah, this year. There's no doubt about that. And, Not much against the Chargers, but he helped them but, against the Bengals. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. And again, the, we can just throw the Chargers game, I think, under the bridge when it comes to talking about this, because that was all that was all game driven. That was all game driven. That was especially with Juju. Right, right. I, I, I you know that we can just throw that game. Out. I don't think that, that was all game plan driven, and the, the game plan wasn't to throw the ball. But uh, with with Johnson, he's been a, a pleasant surprise, and I think the overall theme here, especially in this episode that we're uh, that we're getting to here, Tom, is that I think Steeler fans and you know Steeler media members are just spoiled in general, and, and I don't know if they're exactly understanding of the fact that this isn't the same team as last year. This isn't the same team of the last four years that you know, had the number one wide receiver in football that had maybe one of the best number two wide receivers in football, who had one of the best quarterbacks in football. Maybe this just is what happens. You know, this is what happens when you lose guys like that, obviously. And I don't think Steeler fans wanted to admit that to start the year, and they didn't want to admit it as the season get went on, but you can't avoid it anymore. And and obviously there's – it's not – I'm not – this isn't doom and gloom by any means. You're still two right. and four. You're still right in the thick of things. But the Steelers are finding other ways to win games. They're, they're relying more on the defense. But I, I think the receiving core will get better. I think Juju really is going to break out now that, that Mason's back. I really do believe that. One fan base in the NFL that's been pretty spoiled the past couple years has been the L.A. Rams. And they just got spoiled even more this past week. couple trades shaking up the NFL landscape. We'll get into those when we get back. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Tom Opperman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler and Motes. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. No Euler and Motes today, but this still is the Steelers Blitz. Kellen Gursky and Tom Opperman filling in for those guys all afternoon, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Be sure to come in and join us again. But, Kellen, this seems to be happening more and more in the modern-day NFL landscape, but there was a couple trades mm -hmm. that reshaped the league, I'd say, earlier this week, and one of them actually affects the Steelers in a way. Yeah. We'll get to that in yeah. a second, but... The Rams go out and acquire Jalen Ramsey from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Jalen Ramsey's kind of been a bleep stir for mm -hmm. the Jags for the past couple weeks. You know, he, he decides not to go to practice. Then he takes paternity leave for the birth of his child. Then he says his back hurts, so he's not going to play because of that. All of a sudden, the back's magically better now that he's in L.A. And I'm, right. I'm sure he's probably going to play this Sunday. But it's just... I like it. You know, I, I, I know there's a narrative out there that it's bad for the league. You know, players keep moving to the forcing their way out of certain situations. But I, I like the action of, you know, now Jalen Ramsey's on the Rams all of a sudden. And it just makes the league a lot more interesting. And, and the other thing that comes to mind is 
what in the hell bank are the Rams using that the rest of the league isn't? Because it seems like in true LA fashion, that team is just getting superstar after superstar, and they're piling up massive contracts quickly because you assume they're going to sign Jalen Ramsey right. long term. You wouldn't give up two first round picks in back to back years if you weren't planning on long term Jalen Ramsey. Right. And that's going to cost you a lot of money. You already paid Aaron Donald. You paid Todd Gurley. You paid Jared Goff. I mean, they're going to run out of money eventually, right? Mm-hmm. They have to. Yeah, I mean, you would think. Yeah. But, man, it, you brought up an interesting point. And we talked about this before we came on air here. Actually, with Adam Crowley a little bit. This is such a different feel. Like, for trades. and for, Like, this is happening so much more than I think it's ever happened before. And especially in the NFL. I mean, years ago, you never saw trades in the NFL for players or whatever. It might You really never did. But this year, it's happened at such a alarming, not alarming, but such a different rate. And it's it's wild. I mean, now the Rams all of a sudden uh, get a guy who obviously is still hungry to win. They, he was kind of angry about the fact that they weren't very good in, in Jacksonville. But then again, they started winning, and he still didn't want to play. So I don't really get that whole thing. But now they get him, and maybe they, they shape that defense up a little bit. But um, – it's just weird with with as many trades as happened this year. I mean, look at the Steelers. The Steelers never do never what they do did. it. They never do go that. Go out and get Minkah Fitzpatrick. They go Patrick. out and do it, and and maybe you know, actually, Adam Adam said this to us when we were talking about it off air that you know I think players now realize, man, we're worth a lot more than we than a lot of people think we are. And it's a, I, I think know. it's a combination of that, and then also teams like in the Steelers position, in the Rams positions. They're more willing to mortgage that future yeah, because they the want now. talent now. Yeah. And with the Rams and the Steelers, it is a little bit different from other teams that are partaking in this because mm-hmm. and I say that because now the Steelers will eventually have to pay Minka, but not for another three years. So the Steelers kind of fell on the the best side of the fence when it comes to all of this because you get a young player who's affordable. The Rams are gonna have to sign Jalen Ramsey after this year to a long term right. contract. But he still is only 24 years old and entering the prime of his career. So you figure you lock him up for five, six more years down the road, you're going to have the best corner in football for at least four of those seasons as long as he doesn't drop off a cliff. Right. And from a casual fan perspective, I don't want super teams, but you look at a Rams defense now that boasts maybe not, maybe the best player in the NFL with Aaron Aaron Donald, certainly the best defensive player in the NFL. And now maybe the second best defensive player in the NFL when it comes to Jalen Ramsey. Or you can make the argument that yeah, he is number he's two on the anyway. defensive side yeah. of the football. So you you got those two together working on the same unit. It's just an attractive thing for, for, for casual fans of the NFL to see. Oh, it's super attractive. And obviously, like you said, you don't want to see what has happened in the NBA. You don't want super teams and right. stuff like that. But it makes it a lot more fun, obviously. It makes, it a, uh, it makes matchups a lot more fun. It makes... Especially in that Rams case, it makes the defense man. That defense is pretty good. Dude, they were good before with the best defensive player in football. Now they got another great defensive player. Well, I don't even know if defense was the problem with them. No, to I be honest, I, don't know. I think the offense is really the question mark. Their line has not been good, and Jared Goff just isn't who they thought he was going to be. He, ever since he signed that contract, he's been he's been bad, honestly. Mm-hmm. But again, the line has been banged up, and Todd Gurley is an enigma injury wise. But the Rams defense. Like you said, they just got even better, and it was already a pretty mean defense. So yeah. they're going the other way with things, I think, in, in L.A. It's it's offense get us to 25 points and defense win us football games. Yeah, definitely, and and I think that's 
even more solidified now when you bring in Ramsey. You know, I, I think I, I'm kind of shocked, to be honest with you, that they, they gave up two first-round picks. Uh, I mean, obviously, one's this year, one first-round picks next year, and then a fourth, I think, this year. I, I could be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure the that's fourth how, is the next year. Fourth too. is the next year. Okay. So they gave up two first-round picks, one but, this year, one next that year. you got to assume their thinking is going to be pretty high. Right, right, Because right. they have Super Bowl aspirations. They think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and yeah, I, I guess. And I guess your thinking is, well, we're probably not going to get – it's like the Steelers thinking. You're not going to get a, a player that has his pedigree or whatever, you know, whatever you're looking for in that draft. So you might as well just mortgage that away and get this guy. Maybe you end up winning a Super Bowl this year, you know, or whatever. Whatever might happen. Maybe you get to the playoffs, make a run. Uh, but I was a little shocked that they gave up two first-round picks for him. I don't know if he's as – he's great, don't get me wrong. But is he just, that great? Is he that great? And is he worth the headaches? Now, granted, those headaches might just be because he was in Jacksonville and he didn't want to be there anymore. Right. I understand that. But Who wants to be in Jacksonville? Who, right. I, mean, I he's do in right L- now. Now I mean, he's in L.A. I mean, right. I mean, I do right now, though. I mean, beautiful weather down there. But whatever. That's not, not the point. But – I I don't know if you just want to deal with the headaches, and you know he brings some headaches, not just with that sort of thing too. He's you know we've seen it before, but regardless, I, I think it's a big move for L.A. and I think that shows that they haven't given up on the year, even though they're three and three. They still think that they're good enough to to pull this off and good enough to make a run. They think they're Super Bowl good if they're willing yeah. to to give up the next two years of first round draft picks. They think we are winning a Super Bowl in these next two years, yeah. and Jalen Ramsey is. The missing, I don't know if he's the it, missing thing. Yeah, they might think that. That's what I'm saying. But right? I don't know. Like don't again, know that either. offensive line has been not good, and Jared Goff is a question mark. So yeah. maybe you go with we win with defense, and Goff just has to be average for us to get to a right. Super Bowl. But they are definitely going all in on yeah. we are a Super Bowl contender this year, even though they are sitting at three and three, and their division is really tough because yeah. you got the Niners at five and zero, oh, then you got the Seahawks at five and five one, one, who yeah. just who just beat you on Thursday Night Football, right. and you just lost to the Niners last week. So right. you're really behind the eight ball when it comes to the division. So you're probably looking at wild card at best, and the wild card is no slouch in the NFC because you got the Vikings who currently hold the sixth seed at four and two, mm-hmm. and then the Panthers are four and two right behind them. So yep. three and three, you're still at the ninth or tenth spot in the division, or excuse me, in, in the, the conference in the, in the race. Right. It, it, it's a bold move. Yeah. Again, I think I fall in the camp of I like it because I, I like excitement mm-hmm. around the NFL and I like you know great players playing. And Jalen Ramsey had been taking the past couple weeks off because he was just done with Jacksonville. But I do see, you know, the devil's advocate side of things where look at what happened to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Now they Can't did get two again. they did get two first round picks. Right. But when you have a superstar player now in this league, in the back of your head you have to be worried as a fan he could leave whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. I mean the Steelers saw that with Antonio Brown. We could basically just saw that with out. Le'Veon Bell. You offer these guys contracts, you sign guys to these contracts, but you just never know when they're going to be fed up with the organization and just decide, get get me out of here, trade <laughs> right. me. I don't want to play here anymore. Right. So that's something that you got to worry about, you know, just as a fan of a specific team. And like, right. I'll give you an example: Atlanta Falcons fans right now, they just signed Julio Jones to one of the biggest contracts in NFL history, mm-hmm. the highest paid wide receiver in the history of the NFL. He's never really been a problem child off the field. Never, He'd never been a diva. You have to, in the back of your head, though, wonder, okay, the Falcons are bad. Like, mm-hmm. they, it's no more – the past couple of years we've kind of been scratching our head with Atlanta and saying, 
they're good. They're just injured. Something's weird about them. They are just a bad football team now. And they even were, more so after that loss to Arizona this past week. Right. You missed the PAT after you tie it. Uh, after coming back in in the fourth quarter, I but. mean they're one in five, and they have a a ticked off Rams team with Jalen Ramsey now coming Who's into Atlanta, you, right? right? So you're looking at going one and six. They're a bad team, and maybe not this year, but if they get off to a slow start again next year, and Matt Ryan continues his regression at quarterback. As a Falcons fan, just with the the new landscape of the league, you have to wonder: Is Julio Jones going to start mm-hmm. saying, "I want out. Trade mm-hmm. me. Trade me to a team that's going to contend"? So. On the devil's advocate side of things, I do see how this could create some problems. Right, absolutely. And I I never really thought about that, to be honest with you, about Julio Jones. But you're right. I mean, he's a guy right in the prime. Just an example. I don't want to say it's going to happen. But, But, I mean, that's something that that in the league moving forward, that could be the case. With every team. I mean, I I don't think this will ever happen, but James Conner or Juju could, could say the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But as you said, that's a possibility for any NFL team at this point because this is becoming more of the norm. It's becoming, you know, guys don't want to be there, and it's okay to let that know, be known now. Before, you know, I think guys kind of kept it bottled in a little bit. They didn't want to talk about it, but now it's definitely coming to fruition, and everybody knows about it. Well, the other part of that trade with Jalen Ramsey and the Rams came before they actually traded Jalen for Jalen Ramsey. They had to open up some space on their roster. And they did that by sending Marcus Peters, who's a pretty hmm. solid defensive yeah. back, to the Baltimore Ravens. Now that affects the Steelers yes. because the Ravens had a pretty poor pass defense, pretty poor defense in general. Now they bolster that unit up a little bit. Their secondary is a little bit stronger. Now he is kind of a head case. He is a little bit of a distraction. but A little older, too. Yeah, but he's def- you combine him with Earl Thomas, I think you're going to get some good, good play yeah. out of the secondary for the Baltimore Ravens moving forward once Peters gets acclimated to his new team, to his mm-hmm. new scheme. So this division race, you know, you lose stuff to it, and then all of a sudden the Ravens get a little better on their defensive side of the football. It was a move that I think the Ravens wanted to make because they believe that they are the front runners in the NFC North, but they or excuse me, the AFC North, but they don't have it wrapped up quite just yet because that defense has some holes on it. Do you know does that make sense to you? Yeah. Like they they know that they're the front runner. They know that they should win this division, but they're not confident that as the team is currently constructed that they can because of the Browns and the Steelers still kind of still alive behind them. Right. No, I yeah, I get you and I was a little bit surprised that the Ravens went out and made a, a, that move. Um, but as you said, they were just him, fortunate, fortunate sons, I think, right, because, right, because Marcus Peters wouldn't have been available if the Rams weren't going to go all in for Jalen Ramsey. Right. And I think part of that trade goes into the, 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 the second part of it uh, and of that trade was that uh, L.A. got linebacker Kenny Young. And that was a guy that they they liked and they wanted uh, from, you know, Baltimore. And I, I tell you what, uh, they got their guy they liked in the draft and they, they gave up a guy that. You know, they weren't really high on and they needed to clear some cap space and they got the better version of Marcus Peters and, and, and Jalen Ramsey. So I think, like you said, I think Baltimore was just a little bit fortunate that, well, hey, we got a linebacker that you guys liked, you know, and we'll give, you know, we'll take Peters off your hands for him. And I think, as you said, they were just fortunate. But you're right. I think Baltimore becomes a little bit better defense. I'm not saying it turns into what Minka Fitzpatrick has done for the Steelers defense. But they definitely become a, a better defense as a whole with Peters back there. Let's talk about that AFC North race in about seven mm-hmm. minutes here. 
in the next segment. But before we go to break, we got to talk about football tonight. And mm-hmm. got a game tonight, the Chiefs and the Broncos, Thursday night football. Second week in a row, it kind of seems like it's going to be a stinker on the surface. The Broncos yeah. haven't been that great this year. They've won two in a row. Better of late. Yep. But, you know, Kansas City is coming into Mile High Stadium, and they're losers of two straight. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they won their first four games of the season, they were right there with the Patriots, as in they're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. The only team that could possibly stop the Chiefs are the New England Patriots. Right. It's a it's headed for an it's undefeated grudge yep. match later it's in a, the season. It's a collision course. Then the Colts beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead, and then last week the Chiefs fall at home again to the Houston Texans, mm-hmm. and you're all of a sudden left scratching your head and saying, Okay, the, we thought the Chiefs were in the same echelon as the Patriots as far as the AFC is concerned, but it looks like they're in they're that not. Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans range of right. teams that are just below New England. So it's a big game for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Denver Broncos division game. And, you know, if you're, you're Denver, they're out of the race, I think. But mm. if you win this game and go to three and four and knock the Chiefs to four and three and you have a win over the Chiefs under your belt you're a game back in this division race all of a sudden. So Denver's got a lot to play for. Now, I know, o- I know Oakland could win this week and, and take first place Knock at four and two. Bay, right. But still, I mean, Denver's going to be playing for their season, I'd have to imagine. Yeah. And it's a home game, tough place to play, at night especially. And, you know, Denver fans want to beat Kansas City. There's no right. doubt about it. They right. want to beat Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes – how injured is that leg? These are all mm-hmm. things that are going through my head as we enter into this Thursday night football game tonight. Right, and I think part all of that is why the line is so low in this game. The Chiefs it's, are only favored fu- by three. It's a funny one. You'd think that would be a touchdown. You'd think it would be a seven-point game or maybe even more, you know, considering that we know how good the Chiefs are and have been. But if I had to set the line, I would have probably assumed it would have been seven and a half yep. where they'd, Vegas would make you yeah. bet that the Chiefs would win by more than by a touchdown. More than a touchdown. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I would have assumed so too, but – with as you said, Denver's played better in their last two. They've won two in a row, obviously. Um, and obviously, we know that their defense, uh, Denver's, isn't that great, but it's better than Kansas City's. Kansas City's defense is not good at all. So you will kind of wonder, well, is Joe Flacco going to look like the old Joe Flacco against this Chiefs defense? And he might, because I mean, every other team that's played the Chiefs has put up yards, have put up numbers against them. Um, so. This could be a very interesting game just because of the fact that Mahomes isn't completely healthy, and I think that's really hampered the Chiefs the last the last two weeks. And that's part of the reason they've lost their last two games uh, is because he hasn't been himself. But uh, I think this could be a really high-scoring game. You because, think so? Yeah, because I don't think the KC's, def- KC's <sighs> defense is very good. I don't think Denver's defense is very good, even though it's better than Kansas City's. But I, I just I, – I, I don't think that – I just I don't think this is going to be a three point game. I think this is going to be spread out. Maybe maybe it's by two touchdowns. Maybe it's a blowout. Chiefs win. win. Yeah, uh, but I think I think Denver's going to put up a lot of points though too. There's just something about Jeff Flacco I can't get behind. Yeah, yeah. I can't get behind him being in a shootout. I hear you. And the Denver defense has been really good the past two weeks. They held the Chargers. They, they held the Chargers to only 13 points, mm-hmm. and then they shut the Titans out last week. Those two offenses are nowhere near, near the Chiefs as good are, as the though, Chiefs. But, and in fact, right. the last time they faced a quarterback of Mahomes' caliber was the Packers mm. earlier this this year in September, and the Packers put up 27 points against the Broncos. Okay. Now, Rodgers isn't playing as well as Mahomes has been. Right. And the Packers are kind of more of a defensive run-the-ball yep. team this the year. They're not, they're not the usual Packers offense, but you know that's just the last time they've really faced a quarterback of that caliber right. because they've gone through the Minshews and Phillip Rivers, who's having an off year, and then yep. Marcus Mariota. Who got benched off of his performance yeah. against the Denver defense? Yikes. So, 
I think it's going to be ugly for a little bit. Like, I think in the first half it might be like six nothing mm-hmm. Kansas City or something like that. And then I think in the second half the Chiefs do end up pulling away in this game and kind of like a get right game for the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. especially in that second half. Come out in the first half, mile highs rocking, Patrick Mahomes' leg giving him a little bit mm-hmm. of problems. But once he gets a half under his belt, I'm sure he's going to come out and light the Broncos up. Yeah, I hear you. And, and they need it. They uh, they desperately, you know, they need a, a win. They need a get right game. And I think lost. The, the AFC needs it, man. Yeah, because they need <laughs> yeah. they need a contender to beat these Patriots. Yeah. Plus the there's no there's no drama in the playoffs. Right. And the Texans threw their hat in the ring, but I, I sure. think the Chiefs are the team to do it. Yeah, I agree with you, especially when Mahomes gets healthy. Hopefully, that's sooner rather than later. Hopefully, hopefully he gets himself right. But but Kansas City needs this game. They need to get themselves back, uh, back to you know where they were two weeks ago when they were four and zero, playing good football. But again, I, I think it all stems from Mahomes being beat up. I think I think if he gets healthy, they got a good shot, and and maybe maybe this game helps them get back. With a Broncos win tonight, like we said, they can get right back into they the could, AFC West race. The right. Steelers got right back into the AFC North race with a win against the Chargers last Sunday night. We'll talk about the AFC North when we get back and kind of give our predictions for how we think that division is going to go the rest of the year. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR with Tom Opperman and Kellen Gersky filling in for Euler and Motes. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tom Offerman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler and Motes today on Steelers Blitz. You can get after us on Twitter. For me, you hit me up at buttonpusher970. For Kellen, you can hit him up at K underscore Gursky 34. Looking at these AFC North standings, the Baltimore Ravens obviously out to a two-game lead in the division race, followed by Cleveland and Pittsburgh at 2-4, and four, and then the <laughs> Bengals in dead last at 0-6. I think the only thing that we can really say for sure about the AFC North as we are getting closer and closer to the midway point in the NFL season is that the Bengals are going to finish in last place. Yes. That's really the only definitive thing that I feel comfortable saying is the Bengals are crap. They are going to finish in last place, and they might go winless. They have to play the Dolphins, so someone's right. going to have to win that game. But yeah, two wins max for the Bengals this year. They're they're yeah. a garbage football. They're team. a bad football team, and I, I don't I don't really know if anybody thought they would be this. I bad. I didn't think they'd be this bad. No, I, I, I four five six win team maybe right. for me. I mean, but. they they have some good playmakers like Joe Mixon, who you know. I mean, if you have him in a fantasy perspective, I do. He's awful. I mean, he's been hot garbage, but. That you know, that's neither here nor there. He hasn't had a good year. I mean, you lose AJ Green to start the year off. That's never a good start. And I don't think if they had AJ Green healthy, that they this would really change. And they maybe they win a game. They or still something. have a good receiving core, without but they have him. a good receiving core without him. But they just haven't. Their defense has been you know the, the Achilles' heel. They don't have good linebacker play. They they have some of the same guys up front, but that's really it. They don't have anything else. But yeah, I agree. Uh, the only thing I agree. The only thing that I think is uh, for certain in this division is that Cincinnati is going to finish in last. Place. Right. And enough about the Bengals because nobody cares no about cares. them because they <laughs> are done. They're dead. Their season is over. The Ravens, though, out to a two game lead. Usually that's a pretty comfortable lead to have yeah. in a division race. But unfortunately, you look at what the Ravens have coming up on their schedule. Ooh. It's a gauntlet that they're going through at Seattle coming up this week. Then they got the Patriots coming into town for their next game after they have a bye week. 
Then they go to the Bengals. So they get a little breathing room there. Mm-hmm. But then Texans, Ra- Rams, Niners, Bills. I mean, those are all very tough games. The Jets all of a sudden got a little bit tougher. They did. Because sure. Sam Darnold is healthy, and he seems like the real deal at quarterback. They just upset the Dallas Cowboys this week. And then to finish the year, you got to go on the road to Cleveland, who smoked you. Yep. And then you have to play the Steelers, who are going to be hungry for some revenge, and always play you tough. Mm-hmm. So the Baltimore Ravens, although they have a two-game lead, I would be sweating a little bit, and maybe they are, and that's why you see them go out and make a yeah. trade for a guy like Marcus Peters. Right. I think that played into it. But you're exactly right. I, I mean, you look They're at— They're catchable. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and and then the team that the Steelers are tied with in the division, the Browns, their their schedule isn't much easier. But plus, we'll, you're tied with them, right? So plus, you're tied. You don't with have them. to catch right. them. But um, with Baltimore, I mean, you're right. You know, you play you play Seattle, then you play New England, then you play Cincy, and it's a gauntlet after that. So I mean, I, I wrote down the next three uh, of their games. They at best, I mean, realistically, they're two, not one and two. Yeah, realistically, they go one and two. At best, they go two and one. They're not beating New England. But they might be able to steal one they from They might Seattle. be able to steal one from Seattle. But they're not beating New England. Let, let's be real there. Their defense I mean, isn't good enough. No, and do you think for a second that, that Bill Belichick's going to let M- that Lamar Jackson run all over them? No, that he's going to cut that part of him off. They play, they, really, they play the Patriots really tough, and it is Sunday Night Football but, in Baltimore. But again, the defense isn't good enough. No, they're not good enough. I actually put more stock in maybe the Jets upsetting the Patriots this week than the Ravens upsetting them. In they have the next D. week, because their defense is better, and I think Darnold is better than people think. Yes. I don't think they're going to upset the Patriots, no. but I'm just putting it into perspective. Right? That no, I, I think get what you mean. The Ravens upsetting the Patriots is very far fetched. Yeah, I don't see that happening because they're not going to allow Jackson to do what he does best. They're not going to allow him to move. They're not. They, they as we've talked about at nauseum, how many times on this show, Bill Belichick will cut off the the thing that you yep. do the very best, and he will make you beat them another way. And I don't think Lamar Jackson, albeit he has impressed more this year with his arm against the Steelers, he really didn't play that well through a couple interceptions that were costly. Um, but he he's become a better passer, but I don't think he's anywhere near good enough to beat the Patriots in that defense just on his arm alone. Now, granted, if he has some runs, that's a different story, but he's not going to do that. And here's the thing, Steelers fans, just looking at their next two games. So the Ravens go on the road to Seattle this week when you're sitting at home watching the rest of the NFL because your Steelers have a bye. Right. They lose to Seattle and fall to four and three. You're mm-hmm. idle, so you're still sitting at two and four. Right. And then the next week against the Dolphins, the Ravens have their bye. Mm-hmm. And you assume as a Steeler fan you're going to beat the Miami Dolphins. Yep. More so than you've ever assumed a win in the history <laughs> of the NFL, you assume this one. Right. So that means the Steelers are sitting at three and four, Correct. and the Ravens are sitting at four and three when the weekend of November third rolls and, around. Yeah, right. If the Steelers can handle their business at home on November third against the Indianapolis Colts, move to four and four, all of a sudden Steelers Nation is watching the Patriots go to M and T Bank Stadium to play the Ravens, and a Patriots win would mean the Steelers pull into a tie for first place in the AFC North. Now it could be a three way tie, could be because the Browns could still get to, th- to four and four at that over that stretch, although they have to play the Patriots in there. Mm. So you got to assume the Browns are going to drop one of those games. I don't only think that, you know, it's it's possible for the Steelers to be sitting at four and four and tied for the AFC North, come November third. I think it's probable. Mm-hmm. I I really looking at the, how the schedules line up, I think the Steelers are going to find themselves right back in a tie for first place with these Baltimore Ravens. 
the only thing that makes you hesitate is the Colts. And right. can the Steelers take care of business at home against an Indianapolis Colts team that's been better than expected without Andrew Luck? Oh, absolutely. Like, that's really the only hurdle here yeah. because I expect the Ravens to drop these next two games. I, I, I really do. do. Yeah, no, I, I completely do too. And then you're tied You're tied at first place. It's, if, it's amazing. It, it, it is. It is absolutely amazing to start as bad as the Steelers did. You lose Ben Roethlisberger in week two. And then all of a sudden, you scramble. You're scrambling, and then you get the four wins. You get the four, and yeah. You right. Hit the reset button on the entire I season. I mean, let's be honest. Even if you lose to the Colts, and you're still you're, there. You're three and four. You're still you're, you're three, three and five. five. You're, you're still there. You're game back, and you're, you play you're not, them still. You're not completely out of it yet. But the part that that sucks a little bit after that is in the next week after that New England game. Baltimore plays Cincinnati. There's another right. division win. So they're going to go to 3-1 and one in the division Big, while you're sitting there 1-1. It's and key one. what you said, two division win, because right. that's how they'll get to the tiebreakers. Exactly. Especially if the Steelers and Ravens go 1-1 one and one and split the season yep. series. Then they fall back to who did better against the rest right, of the division. Right, right. So that, that's key, obviously. So if you're a Steeler fan, you're really, really rooting for the fact that, that Baltimore loses to both Seattle and New England because then if they win that game against Cincinnati, yeah, they go to 3-1 and one in the division, but they're only, what, 4 and four or whatever they'd be five and four after that week um if they were to upset cincy so and you're still right in it at that point because the overall record is still so close and you still have your whole division schedule before division games left to go right and you don't want to ignore the browns because they are they are sitting at two and four the narrative around the browns though is that they are a dumpster fire right Mm -hmm. now and i think that's a narrative that they really put on themselves Mm -hmm. because at the beginning of the year, there was so much talk about how we're going to the Super Bowl. Odell Beckham Jr. saying that they're going to be the next Patriots. Baker Mayfield's getting into it with Colin Cowherd, and he's a feisty guy. Mm-hmm. So they 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 establish these expectations for them that they they clearly are not living up to at this point in the season. And I think that if the Browns would have just gone about their business quietly and stayed out of the media and just put their heads down and got to work. We'd be sitting here looking at a two and four Browns team and saying, "Yes, they have to play the Patriots, and they're probably going to fall to two and five. But they've played almost every game close, mm-hmm. as, uh, aside from the blowout against Tennessee in Week One. Mm-hmm. They've gone toe to toe with the LA Rams. Mm-hmm. They almost beat the Seattle Seahawks at home last week. You'd view them as a team that's growing and a team that's going to be very dangerous down the second half stretch of the season. However, they've again put this narrative on themselves that they should be contenders and that they shouldn't be two and four they should be like five and one right now and so you wonder if the team is going to have the mental resolve to go down the stretch and go on some crazy winning streak to get them to nine and seven to get them to ten and six because that schedule is really soft down the stretch towards the end of the season i mean mean, right now they're hitting the rough spot this is the end of the rough this, spot, I'd but say. But this is the end of it, right? The, you're hitting, you're in that rough spot. I guess the Bills coming up is is New tough-ish, yeah. but yeah, after but this New England game, it's all winnable from here on probably, out. Probably, yeah. I, I don't know if Buffalo's necessarily. I, I I think I would favor Buffalo in that game. I say at home for the Browns. That's why it's probably a winnable game. That's yeah, winnable, right? Yeah. No, I hear what you mean. I hear what you mean. But yeah, I mean, if you're the Browns, uh, you're still right in it. I mean, even you're just like the Steelers, you know. I mean, and they're one and zero in the division. The Steelers are one and one. All right, so I would say they're in a better spot. They're than in a the better Steelers spot right than the Steelers based on that alone. But you don't really have to worry about that as a Steeler fan, or really a Browns fan, even because you still play each other twice. So exactly. If, if but if one team sweeps the other, well, it doesn't. That doesn't really matter. Kind of kills the other team. Right. Exactly. So 
So that that's obviously goes into it. But for I don't think for a second, if I said that Baltimore is not going to beat New England uh, in two weeks or three weeks, however long it is, I definitely don't think Cleveland's beating them next week. By any in means. Foxborough, no too, way, yeah, no no chance. And and if Baker Mayfield it was seeing ghosts before and he's evading the pocket and hmm. running all over the place, my goodness, what do you think that Belichick, Belichick makes ghosts gonna, appear on the field? Exactly, yeah. I mean, what do you think that defense is going to do to that guy? It's probably not going to be a pretty ball game for the Cleveland Browns. You might be turning that game off at halftime if you're a uh, if you're an NFL fan in general. To be if, honest, if you had to force me into a prediction right now, I'd probably say the Ravens. I, I think they'd that schedule is so tough down the stretch, but I think they hold on enough to get to nine wins and probably take this division. But I also would predict that that last game of the year at M&T Bank Stadium between the Steelers and the Ravens, I, I could totally see a, a seven and eight. Uh, yeah, seven and eight Steelers team heading into M and T Bank, facing an eight and seven Ravens team, and winner goes to the AFC North. I, I could absolutely see that game happening. You know, that's a class. That's almost like the the annual Colts Titans game mm-hmm. that they always get flexed to Sunday Night Football in the last <laughs> week of the year because yeah, last year it had to what end in a tie or something right for the Steelers playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So it's just one of those games where it's the the worst division in football yep. and. An eight and eight team or a nine and seven team is going to get in. I just wouldn't be surprised if we have that grudge match in week seventeen against the Ravens. No, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if that if that happens either. I, I but mean, would you pick the Ravens still to win the at, division at, at this, this point, point? Yes, because I, I think it's a big mountain to climb if you are the Steelers, and I don't think it's as big of a mountain to climb if you're Baltimore. You have a two game lead, so you have that in your back pocket. Um, but yeah, and I don't think the Browns are going to be able to make a run as we talked about I I just don't I don't believe in them and they're already behind the eight ball and they play the Steelers twice if they beat the Steelers twice maybe that that changes the narrative but uh, yeah at this stage in the game in week seven I I think I think the Ravens probably take the division minus minus their tough schedule if they lose you know three or four in a row it's the Ravens but they always the Ravens. upset somebody no I agree I hear you like I can see them beating Houston yeah Right, right, right. But then again, yeah, I could see them ending up losing to, to Buffalo or something like right. that down the road. Um, Bengals, so, they struggled against the Bengals at home, too. Yeah, they got to right. go to Cincinnati. Now. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, but at this point, I'm leaning towards uh, towards the Ravens. And I, I at this point in the season, I think the Steelers wind up in second place, and it might come down to that last game, as you mentioned. But they beat the Browns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree, too. I think yeah. the Steelers are a better team than the Browns. I do, too. Steph to it. He's out for the year. Crushing blow for the Steelers in this divisional race. But we'll get into that a little bit more when we come back. We'll also talk a little bit about Benny Snell football to close out the show. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Tom Opperman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler Emotes. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We were talking a lot about the AFC North in the last segment and how the Steelers still find themselves right in the thick of this race despite being 2-4. and four. But unfortunately, the loss of Steph Tuitt in the L.A. Chargers win last Sunday night might be just too much of an obstacle to overcome for the Steelers defense that really has been rounding into form. And, Kellen, the Steelers defense, it's got 52 sacks on the year. Mm -hmm. So it leads the league in sacks again 
on pace to, for the third straight year, be the king in that category when it comes to team defense in the NFL. But now you lose one of your, your key cogs in that pass rush, in that 52 sacks and step to it. The question that I have now is with Minka Fitzpatrick, with Steven Nelson getting healthier, is this now a secondary that can maybe step up and create some coverage sacks to make up for, you know, not getting enough pressure from just the front because two, it's out now. Luwalu has to replace him or Chicolo has to replace him or whatever, however they decide to rotate people in to replace to it. It's interesting. I don't know if they're there yet. I don't know if they're there yet either. But potentially there's potential there because I think I think you started seeing more time for the defenders and the linemen or the linebackers, whatever it might be to get to the quarterback. I think there was a little bit more time. I think the corners and DBs and company are, are they're giving a little bit more time. You've seen as this season has moved on a little bit, a little bit more time for um, for the linemen to get there. You've seen more coverage sacks. At least you've seen the idea of more coverage sacks become a little bit more prevalent. So I don't want to put <laughs> I don't want to put the defense there yet and say 100 they can they can cover they can cover yeah. and get a covered sack. I don't want to say that yet, but I think it's going that way. I think they're leaning that way, but obviously the loss of to it doesn't help that uh that definitely hampers that a little bit but like we said in that first segment you got to find a collection of guys that equals the stuff to it you can't replace them but you gotta right. you gotta try to find that group there's no chance i think the secondary can carry this defense as long as steven nelson is still dinged up and no. i'm assuming he'll be back for the dolphins game after the bye week Again, that's kind of a game, though, where you can give guys an extra week if they need it to recover. I don't, I don't want to say rest your starters like it's a preseason game because you never want to poke that bear. Right. That's just bad juju, especially in the NFL when you rest all your starters against the lesser opponent, sure. thinking that you can just coast to a win on your backups. But if Nelson is still dinged up, you can give him an extra week there. But if not, I expect to see him on the field. And he has been outstanding all year long. Mm. And you really hated to see him go down and not be able to play in that L.A. Chargers game. They didn't need him. Mm. But he just out all year long. You, you barely hear the guy's name called on the TV broadcast or on the radio broadcast. Right. He's never making the big mistake. I remember the first game this year that I saw him really start to ball out was against the Seahawks in Week 2. And he got beat by DK Metcalf on one play. But then, like, throughout the entire game, I'm watching it, and I'm saying, man, this rookie Metcalf is getting mm -hmm. worked by Steven Nelson right now. And you've really just seen him continue that that level of play as the, the season has gone on. And what a compliment to Joe Hayden he's been. And he's honestly played a little bit better than Joe Hayden all year. Yeah, I think, I think he's been at least way more consistent than, than Hayden. And Hayden and, Hayden's getting healthier, and yeah, you're starting to see him right. shine and He's again. coming back, and he's getting you know back to his normal self. But... Yeah, what a move um, by the Steelers to bring in Nelson. I, I mean, he, as you said, you don't hear from him. Uh, you don't hear commentators say, oh, he's getting picked on or whatever. You never hear that. And that's that, always the, the thing with corners, right? Right, right, right. When you don't hear them or rem you don't remember they're even on the team, that's how you know they had a great game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And he's been he's he's been – in that conversation for one of the best defensive players this year. Now that two, it's hurt. He's probably the second best player on that defense. Now it's Watton, probably him, then or maybe Devin Bush. Um, but he has been fantastic. And I mean, what else can you really say? He has been shut down, as you said. He doesn't make the big mistake. 
He rarely ever gives up a big play. Right. I mean, it's you, you can think of one this year so far, and we're in week seven. Um, it's pretty impressive, and you're right. They, they missed him a little bit against L.A., but they didn't exactly need him either. So this is a, it's good that the bye weeks here get him get him back healthy and get get him back in into the into the swing of things. He's got no interceptions on the year. He's only got two passes defensed, but he's playing almost 100% of the snaps every single game. Mm-hmm. And that really just goes to show you that they're not throwing the ball towards him because he's just locking down his side of the field almost every single snap. And right. and that's something that, you know, the Steelers hadn't had in a in a secondary member until Joe Hayden got here. Now all of a sudden they pair Joe Hayden with another guy who seems to be able to do that. Right. And then all on top of that you have Minka Fitzpatrick who is kind of like a hybrid and he's been playing safety all year long but you feel comfortable dropping into him into that slot corner position and have him go man to man with a wide receiver. So again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here and say you lose to it, it's okay. The secondary will now carry this defense and the secondary will help create pressure on the quarterback by getting coverage sacks, but I think the talent is absolutely there sure. because Terrell Edmonds is definitely the worst member of that secondary this year, and yeah. he's not that bad. It's no. not like we're talking about an absolute sore out no, there on the no, secondary. No, no, no. He's been good, but it's just not to the level of an Edmonds or excuse me of a Fitzpatrick, of a Nelson, and of a Hayden. No, it hasn't been. And you know, I think a lot of people were or, or are down a little bit on Edmonds because I think a lot of people thought this would be his breakout year. This would be, right. you know, this would be his his coming out party, so to speak. And I honestly think the addition of Fitzpatrick doesn't allow that to happen. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't want people to think that's me, you know, saying that's a bad thing because of the fact that what Mink, what Minka brings. Let me draw an analogy. Here. Okay. Edmonds was supposed. No one's ever going to be Troy. Let me say that no, before I right, start right. this. But Edmonds came in last year, and he was supposed to be the Troy Polamalu to Sean Davis as Ryan Clark. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, you have Minka Fitzpatrick come in, and he's, he's going to be the Troy Polamalu. Edmonds can kind of take that Ryan Clark seat and mm-hmm. kind of be the secondary guy right. in, in the safety room. And I think that's great. That's great. No, absolutely. Now, they're both really young players. Yeah. But Minka Fitzpatrick seems to be oh, beyond his years mentally oh, as far as the mental side of football is concerned. Yeah, and he's the better of the two in every aspect yes. of the game. There, there's no it's question draft about pick. it. I mean, and that's not, that's not me going after Terrell Edmonds. I think Terrell Edmonds is a very good player. I, I think, you know, I mean, last year he played, he was in the upper echelon. Yeah, he deserves of to be a starter played. in the NFL. He should be playing. There's not no question about it. But, um, you know, I think his development is going to be slowed down a little bit because Mink is there. Not development, but you get what I'm trying he's to say. Gonna, his role has changed. His role's changed because of that. And he's not going to be the player I think that a lot of people thought he would be because of that trade. But that's not a bad thing. He can he doesn't have as much pressure on his shoulders with Minka being there and he doesn't have as much uh worry because he he has a guy behind him now that can really call all the shots right. and Terrell's just kind of free freelancing out there. He can play the middle of the field and you know, we just do what he does. He doesn't have to have all the other stuff, all the other worries that associate with playing safety. And before we move on to the other side of the football, before we wrap things up, I'd be remiss to not mention Cam Sutton mm. and how he's wow. played, especially against the Chargers, stepping up big time. Artie Burns got the start with Steven Nelson being out, but mm-hmm. Cam Sutton really shown by stepping up and, yeah. and filling in more playing time because of the injury to Nelson. So much so that... You know, the real controversy, I think, playing time-wise, isn't at the quarterback position for this team, but it's with Hilton and Sutton and who should yeah. be the guy in 
and you got two sides of the coin. You got Hilton, stops the run really well. You got Sutton, who's really great in pass defense. And honestly, at this point in the modern day of the NFL, you need more pass defense than you need mm -hmm. to stop the run. So I lean towards Sutton Me maybe too. taking more snaps away from Hilton in the future. Me too. I agree. I think Sutton has been – I mean, he was great in that L.A. Oh, game. He was fantastic. And he's made a couple plays this year that have stood out. I can't remember what game it was. It might have been against Seattle. But I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. There were two plays in a row where he made just beautiful open field textbook tackles. I mean, they were by the book exactly how you're taught to do it. One-on-one, -on -one, he didn't get beat, and he brought the guy down. Right. And I think it was against Seattle now that I'm thinking about it. But regardless, he's flashed like that all year long. And then you really saw it against L.A. He played really a, a lot more snaps almost the whole game, really, because of some injuries and things. You're like, wow, that dude can play. And one of the keys with this defense overall is keeping them fresh. Mm -hmm. We've said a ton of times, we've been pounding the table that the depth just isn't there. They can't really rotate guys in and out on the defense. So the offense has to take some of the onus for keeping those legs fresh and going on long, sustainable drives. And the best way to do that is to run the football. And the Steelers dominated time of possession against the Chargers last Sunday night, the best they've done all year long. And it's because they finally had that running game between James Conner and Benny Snell. And yes, Connor did most of his damage passing in the passing game, catching the ball out of the backfield, getting out into open space. But as far as running between the tackles goes, Benny Snell football might be your guy moving forward now. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's the guy. When he was going through holes against mm -hmm. the Chargers, his shift in the way that he could kind of move his body to slide through holes that might not be there, it's not Bell-esque because no one could do it like Bell no, could back right. when he was here, but... You saw some of that athleticism helping out a line that's kind of struggling a little bit because he doesn't need to drive a truck through the hole. He's elusive enough to kind of squeeze through and get into the second level. So, again, premature to stamp the guy label on Benny Snell, yeah. but he deserves 10 carries, 15, 15 carries against the he, Dolphins. He deserves a bigger role uh, for sure, and I think that's something that this team – desperately needs uh, especially with um with Jalen Samuels being out I actually wrote down the touch count and the, the total yard count for the Steelers this year Connor has 100 touches obviously this is running and uh rushing and receiving combined 100 touches 466 total yards so he's averaging 4.66 a touch and five touchdowns then this drop off is drop off is astronomical Bell or Bell Snell has uh, 24 touches for 119 yards, which is a 4.98 clip. That's it's pretty nice. That's pretty good. And no touchdowns. Obviously, that pretty much all coming last week. I think he had 75 yards rushing. The only one that really catch. sticks out is against Seattle. He had like yeah, a 20 yards. 22 run. or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty good. Um, on 24 touches to have 119 yards, that's good. Uh, then Jalen Samuels obviously didn't play last week, but uh, 31 touches, 133 yards. He's averaging 4.29 yards a touch and one rushing touchdown. So what that tells me is there's not a number two back on this team. Right. And they desperately need one. And I think Benny Snell, at the very least, at the very least, showed that, hey, I deserve at least a few more touches in this system and in this offense. And I think he's going to get it. And I think he can be a great change of pace for Connor. They are not the same runner. Be Benny is a little bit more athletic. He may not be – he might have a step of quickness more, I think, th than Connor does. He might be a little bit faster, but he's more elusive than Connor is. And I think, I think that could really smell good uh, <laughs> for, for Benny. I think that could really work out in his favor. Smell good for Snell, S huh? Smell good for Snell. I don't Snell. know how I, I came up that. I don't know why you said smell. It was whatever. a weird word, but it rhymed. I it, liked it. Yeah, that works for me.
He definitely deserves an increased role in the Steelers offense. We got an increased role here yeah. on Steelers Nation Radio all week long. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow in the same spot filling in for Euler and Motes. Thanks to those guys for letting us fill in here on the Blitz. Uh, for Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Steelers Nation. This has been Steelers Blitz on SNR.